Hi, I'm Ralph Dinsley, known as Dins. I'm the uh, Executive Director and Founder of Northern Spaces Security, and I listen to the Cold Star Project. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to be what is termed professional advice. The Cold Star Project is proudly presented by the Operational Excellence Society. Cold Star Tech is a supporter of the OPEX Society, and Jason Gannigan is a member of its Board of Advisors. Talk with us at Cold Star Tech to find out more about the OPEX Society and what we can achieve together in your organization. Or just visit opexsociety.org. Thanks for joining us for today's show. We need role models in space. There's a lot of technicians and people working behind the scenes, and uh, the public doesn't see them. <laughs> That's just a fact. And so when we have public role models, uh, we're going around inspiring other people and getting them to look at STEM and space as uh, educational and work futures, uh, that's really powerful. And our guest today, Shelley Brunswick, is one of those role models. She had a career starting off in the Air Force as a space acquisition and program management leader and then congressional liaison, which is pretty cool. And today she is the Chief Operating Officer of Space Foundation. And uh, I'm going to quote directly from the byline here, <laughs> bringing a broad perspective and deep vision of the global space ecosystem. There are not many people who have a view from the height in, uh, in this field, as far as I'm concerned, based on the experience that I have. And uh, I think Shelley is one of them. She also has a number of mentorship roles, the Women Tech Network, uh, Diversity and Inclusion Officer, uh, Role Model of the Year 2020, and uh, Space for Women Network Mentor, that's through the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs, and a number of other positions here uh, with the Lifeboat Foundation, Advisory Board Member, and many other <laughs> experiences. Uh, you could go and check out her LinkedIn profile to find out more. So I wanted her on because she has this perspective that's quite uh, broad-reaching. I, I tend to view folks in the space and defense industries as uh, having sort of the mouse or groundhog perspective. They know their area really well, but uh, looking up and out into the world. Um, whereas the more rare type of folks are those who can uh, look from above, like the, the eagle view basically and looking down. And I think Shelly brings that. So Shelly, welcome. So Shelly, you're COO of the Space Foundation. Let's hear about the foundation's mission. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. It's such an honor. I love your show and I'm thrilled that I get to be sharing a little bit about myself, the Space Foundation and our amazing team. But Space Foundation, we are your trusted source for information, education and collaboration. And we are a U.S. nonprofit and we do business internationally. And we've been in business uh, almost 40 years. So we're excited to be doing what we do, which is the information piece, which many people think about space symposium, our annual symposium that brings together almost 15,000 people pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID. We also have our education component, which is uh, informal, formal, and adult learning. And then we have our global alliance division, and that's where our government affairs and industry relationships are, because it's really all about partnering and collaborating to really make the difference. Okay. And you are a chief operating officer. Uh, I'm an operational excellence guy, so I give a damn about that kind of title. And uh, the first thing I, I think of is like, what, what have you run into as far as challenges go in that COO role that has surprised you? What have the biggest challenges been? Well, I think we all can empathize with COVID. Obviously, that was a challenge we were not prepared for. 
Um, none of us thought about a pandemic. And when you think about Space Foundation, again, we stood up as bringing the global space community together during our annual symposium. And two weeks before our annual symposium, the world stopped. So how do you navigate through a pandemic that you're not sure how long it will last? Um, so one of the things we did is obviously we were already transitioning digitally, but we expedited that digital transformation and we launched our Symposium 365, which is now an online on-demand program to continue to bring the global space community together 365 days a year in partnership with that annual symposium. Um, but then we also, during this time of COVID, we launched our Center for Innovation and Education. And that is all about a lifelong learning platform for workforce development and economic opportunity. So all individuals can find their way into the space ecosystem. So COVID was a bit challenging, but we navigated it. Uh, we completed our digital transformation. We launched our Center for Innovation and Education. And it's been a great growth experience for not only myself, but our team. And it's really been embraced uh, by the global space community. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that transition uh, was surprising to a lot of people. I was in the fortunate position of having worked remotely for years. So that part of my life didn't change a lot. Um, but it's great to see everybody go to digital and online, uh, especially for education. So what do you see the Space Foundation's role um, as far as like the direct activity that you're going to do over the next 10 years or so? How do you intend to carry that out? Excellent. So there's a number of things we want to do and we have been doing, and that is we want to be seen as that space thought leader. Mm. How do we put out activities? So for years, we've been talking about space, um, you know, as part of the climate action, you know, different energy and energy storage solutions, different forms of technology to reduce our carbon input, different forms of agriculture, different forms of water and resource management. And we've been doing that for space. For decades now and now we're seeing uh in the rest of the world is seeing that that technology can help us with climate change climate mitigation so one is being seen as that thought leader being able to see the trends that are coming how can space technology help to solve those challenges mitigate those challenges uh, so inviting us to the table to have that thought leadership discussion the other side of it is how are we bringing the global space community together and that was one of the things that also was interesting during COVID. So we were the conveners for years, bringing people together. But what we discovered during COVID by going virtually, and you probably discovered this as well, is that we were actually able to have further reach and get way more engagement uh, doing our programs hybrid than we were just bringing people in person. So there is a component to that in-person coming together, but we will continue to do hybrid symposium. We will continue to do virtual programming because that is how we're gonna equalize things around the world because the rest of the world wants to participate in the space ecosystem. That's South America, that's Africa, that's the Middle East, that's Asia, in addition to the US, China, Russia, Japan, the European Space Agency. There are many, many more regions of the world that wanna participate and we want to ensure that all ethnicities and genders are able to participate. And that's a lot of the thought leadership and the programs that the Space Foundation discusses is how do we ensure equity uh, throughout the world? Okay. 
interesting mission and then what you're going to keep kind of plinking away at as a target what mix is there a mix between focus on on helping people with uh like military and defense applications versus commercial so we actually when we talk about the global space ecosystem we're talking about all of that we're talking about military civil commercial and international so when individuals come to our space symposium there will be a military component where there will be military leaders talking and not just us military There'll be leaders from all over the world that are air attaches and space officers. But then we also want to bring together that civil side, that NASA side, uh, the other commercial organizations such as the UAE Space Agency, the Saudi Space Commission, uh, the African Space Agency, that, that component. We're seeing that commercial component. So 40 years ago, it was really just the government and a couple companies, right? I mean, that's Space Foundation stood up almost 40 years ago. We stood up in Colorado Springs because US Space Command was here and we were that integrator to the commercial companies that could provide those services. Those commercial companies have now grown exponentially. Um, the global space ecosystem in 2020 was $447 billion according to the Space Foundation's the Space Report. 80% is commercial for products and services. So bringing together those commercial entrepreneurs and innovators. And then of course, we wanna to bring together international as well as academia. So uh, we are your global convener when it comes to the entire space ecosystem. Okay. So let's say I'm in Botswana or France or Brazil or something, and I wanna get involved. I'm gonna to link to Space Foundation's website below. Um, what are the paths, I guess, that, that they could come in on? Excellent. Like? So as you were mentioning countries, I was thinking of names and people's faces of space experts I know in all those countries. So what I'll share with you is through our Center for Innovation and Education, we have a five-step workforce development roadmap, and that is awareness, access, training, connecting, and mentoring. So the first step is people have to even be aware that space is an opportunity for them. So just like you said, somebody's in Botswana, Zimbabwe, uh, Uganda, and they're like, wow, I'm really excited about space. How do I find out? So first, they've got to know that there's even an opportunity. That second one is, what's an access point? Is it the Space Foundation website? Is it Space Generation Advisory Council? Is it the NASA website? You know, How do they actually get an entrance point into the space ecosystem? Then they're going to require potentially some training, even if they're entrepreneurs and they got a great idea. Do they need some training in how to be an entrepreneur? How do you go after and get investors, um, or even a certificate, you know, data analytics is a huge part of the space industry, all the data coming off satellites, but you still will have to have a certificate for data analytics. So there's probably some training components. Then this is where we really see the next step of Space Foundation is that um, building your network. So Space Foundation has the online platform, we have our in-person events, we also recommend other organizations. There's Women Tech Network, there's Space Generation Advisory Council, there's Toad Air, there's Women in Aerospace, there's um, NDIA. So we don't say we're one size fits all. We're part of a mosaic of space ecosystem where we wanna work together to help individuals come into the space ecosystem. So build your network. And then that fifth step again is mentoring. A lot of times when an individual can find a mentor, they can overcome those other 
four um, steps in our workforce development roadmap. So again, some great mentoring programs. Space Generation Advisory Council has a wonderful mentoring program. A women Tech Network, even though it says women, it's open to men and women. And we need men and women to be mentors as well as protégés. And then there's um, uh, the other organizations is the UN Office of Outer Space Affairs, Space for Women Mentoring Program as well. Again, it says women, it's open to men and women. We need both men and women to be mentors and protégés. Okay, that's a lot of information there, Shelly, and, and good stuff. Um, if I were listening and I knew nothing about these organizations and there were a couple new ones in there for me uh, and I've been involved for a few years now, I might be a little bit intimidated. Um, what's the best first thing that somebody should do or ought to do then if they want to well, get involved? I, I use the verb Google. Yeah. So if, if the individual has access to internet, and again, not every region of the world may or may not, but the first thing you can do is Google. And again, there's some great websites to help you learn. Space Foundation, we have some great online content, whether it's our entrepreneurial, we have entrepreneurial webinars. They're available for individuals to watch. We have a wonderful series called Space for the number for you, Space for You. And it's a great podcast series for individuals who may not know a lot about the space industry, but are interested in how that industry could relate to them. So we have a great Space For You podcast series, entrepreneurial series as well. So that's one place. But again, there's also the NASA website, the European Space Agency, the UN Office of Outer Space Affairs. Um, so there are just, I would just say, start with a website and see if you find something that interests you. Um, and then if you find something that interests you, then can you take action? Can you join up? Can you contribute? Uh, can you reach out to another individual and start building a network? So it's it's about taking action to find the network, but then what's the next step to building relationships in the space industry? Okay, so I hope you folks are hearing <laughs> the theme of what Shelly's talking about here, right? Um, starting off where almost wherever you can, right? Wherever you mm -hmm. feel a little bit comfortable and then, and then developing that network, um, which I too have found uh, essential. And then I have, yeah, noticed your LinkedIn post where our roles are reversed and you're the one doing the, the interviewing. Um, and it's, yeah, keeping up a show uh, is a lot of work. So I, I noticed a theme looking through your biography, basically, of, uh, of finding organizations that existed and then joining up and doing, you know, you, you walk the walk, right? <laughs> it's, it's what I'm trying to get at here. Um, and so we're going to cover a few more of these um, mentorship roles that you're in, just so that people can get the flavor of like what you can grow into, right? What they could grow into as well, um, if they stick with it, which is the biggest problem most people have with things is sticking with it. Um, so you're a mentor uh, with something called the Space for Women Network. You mentioned that number four is in here too. Um, tell us about, uh, I guess, the story of how that's worked so far. So that is through the United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs, Space for Women Mentor Network. And it has two components. One is a formal mentoring program where you register and say, I wanna be a mentor or you register and say, I wanna be a protege. And this is a formal matching process. And when I get a, a new protege who says, I want you to be a mentor, you know, what are your goals? Um, how can we accomplish those goals? What are the next steps? And the great part of that is I learn 
as much, if not more, from those young protégés who are, and, and they're not all young, I want to clarify, some might be mid-career looking for advice to transition from one industry, can I take those skills and come into the space industry now, because the space industry is open to all. So that is a wonderful opportunity for, again, individuals out there, and I am passionate about being a mentor. I had some wonderful mentors uh, growing up, uh, and I say growing up, I mean growing up when I was in the U.S. Air Force. I spent uh, over 29 years in the U.S. Air Force having wonderful mentors uh, who helped me become the person I am today, and so I'm grateful, and so this is part of my giving back. The other side of ANUSA's Space for Women program is a networking group. And that's less formal, and they're on Facebook. You can find them, uh, Space for Women, and it's an open group where it's uh, individuals, men and women, throwing out ideas. Here's what I'm doing in Nigeria. Does anyone want to help me create more access in Nigeria? Here's what I'm doing here. And so it's an informal networking. So through the UNUSA program, you can do both formal uh, mentor-protege programs as well as informal networking, mentoring, reaching out to others globally. Both are great. It all just depends uh, what each individual in your audience is looking for. Okay, so there's something else to go search for <laughs> on Facebook. One thing that COVID was good for was uh, elevating the sense of community, I think, for space. Uh, really jumped out, especially early on when we went into lockdown, right? Uh, suddenly everybody was available <laughs> to go online. And uh, I ran a couple of conferences, virtual conferences very early on, and that was extremely helpful. Right. So, um, so these groups, anyway, they're out there and that's one of them and folks can go join that. You're a chairperson of the Space Tourism Society uh, Africa. And I've had a couple of, of guests on from Africa, including recently. Um, in Southern Africa is the last one I'm thinking of. Tell us about that organization, how it formed and how you got involved. Well, Space Tourism Society is an international organization, and John Spencer is the president of Space Tourism Society. He's out of Los Angeles. And then there's each regional uh, Space Tourism Society. So I'm fortunate to have been named the chair for Africa. I'm very passionate about Africa. I'm, I'm passionate about global equality as it comes to space. So there's lots of opportunities in Africa. Um, you know, every country in Africa, you have countries that are already operating in space, you have countries that want to operate in space, and then you have countries that are going to utilize space te technology. So first of all, that's every country in Africa, but it's really every country in the world. And so how can we help provide access and opportunity to Africans so they can lead as they move forward with Space Tourism Society, inspiring the next generation, but there's also the African Union, which is standing up the African Space Agency, right by the Egyptian Space Agency in Cairo. I hope to go visit that next month. So there's a lot of things happening in the continent of Africa. There's a lot of excitement and growth and um, satellite opportunities, business development opportunities, entrepreneurial opportunities. So if there's anything I can do to help ignite the imagination, provide a pathway for citizens in Africa, I'm honored to do that. And one of the things that we were able to do was get the largest group of uh, college students to go to the International Astronautic Conference um, in Dubai last month. So that was um, one of the wonderful things. And again, um, I did not do the heavy lift. Uh, the president of the uh, Space Tourism Society Africa, Paul did the heavy lift on that, but I was happy to add my name 
to ensure that those students could get access into the IAC, which is you know, one of the premier space events next to Space Foundation Symposium, so that African college students can be part of that global space ecosystem. And again, we talked about how important networking is. So we have to help those African college students get to these major conferences so they can network in to the global space ecosystem. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, one, I guess, follow-up question. One, one concern that I have had with all the dialogue that's come out in the last year or so um, is I worry that there's a lot of talking and, and like a, being at a mixer, right? And then not much action after that. How do you ensure that action is being taken in the various roles you've got? Excellent. So I am a big person about walk the walk, right? Walk the talk. So whenever I give a presentation, I always leave with a call to action. So I just even said, please be a mentor. Um, some of those calls to action could be, if you're a leader in your community and you work at a company that can do student field trips that can allow students to come in and see the work you do in the industry to help inspire that next generation. Or if you're a teacher, the Space Foundation has an international teacher liaison program that provides curriculum so that teachers can bring space into the classroom, making it immersive and fun so we can inspire the next generation. Or if you're um, a parent, you know, you can go out with your child and stargaze or go to that NASA website together and look at some of the activities you can do together um, as a family. So I always want to leave my audiences with what's a call to action? What can we walk out today and do. And I shared that a couple of times, you know, come to the Space Foundation website. We have an entrepreneurial series uh, that's free and available for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur or go to our Space for, for You podcast series or watch more of Jason's uh, webinars because they're really insightful. So I always want to give people what can they walk out today and tangibly do. Okay, let's finish up on this. Uh, you're, you're also chairperson of the Women in Aerospace Foundation. And uh, I, I was reading through all this and going, you know, I mentioned this earlier. Wow, you know, you really get involved in, in existing structures in that. Do you believe now, with the experience that you've had, that it's best to continue to advocate for women in aerospace this way by joining organizations that exist or, or um, maybe they just appoint you and you're surprised to find out? I don't know. Uh, or is there a need for a new organization that doesn't exist yet? Is there a hole that the industries haven't addressed? Well, I think as a whole, we need to make sure we're including more gender diversity, mm -hmm. geographies, as well as, you know, ages, young and old representatives in the space industry. And that's part of one of the UN and the IAF's mantras, uh, you know, calls to action is, you know, generational, geographical, and gender, making sure we have equality. Um, I think there are a number of organizations that do a great job. What I like to see, and, and you'll see when people go to my LinkedIn, I, I am on several boards of directors, you know, Women Tech Network, Lifeboat Foundation, um, Toad Air, G-Pods. I'm able to be kind of that integrator. And that was a role that I played in the U.S. Air Force, too. I was a space acquisition officer, which is a nice way of saying a project manager. But you're the integrator talking to all the uh, individuals on your team to figure out how you get a product through. So I'm really integrating as I see all the global organizations and the US organizations. And I just came off a call with another international organization with 34 member countries. 
I'm able to leverage those relationships to say, okay, you, we need to put a whole package together to support these 34 countries. Space Foundation can do this, WIA can do that, ICESCO can do this, UN can do that. And so by having that knowledge of the various organizations, we're able to pull people together to create holistic programs that can really solve some of the challenges we face today. So I'm not sure if we need an overarching structure. I think the Space Foundation in our thought leadership role, we are on a number of advisory roles um, to provide that uh, honest broker that can sit at the table and say, this is how we can work together uh, to move forward the agenda of creating access and equality for all. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I do like what you said a lot there just now about having the, the bird's eye view of this organization can do this slice of things and this can do that. Um, back in my twenties, uh, <laughs> I was uh, volunteering for my hometown, the city, and uh, I would uncover things like this all the time where um, some organization would have some asset or resource and nobody else knew about it. And like, I'm talking about like an entire commercial kitchen in the basement of some high-rise tower or something like that right that you could use right but only if you knew it existed and so by knowing um, that these things exist you can get a lot better result um, by kind of moving them all together in an organized way so i like that a lot um shelly who do you want to hear from and how should they go about contacting you great well i'm looking forward to listening to anyone who's looking to find their way into the space industry i'm looking for Partners as well, the Space Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit that does business internationally. And of course, we're always looking to grow our programs because the biggest challenge we have is there's more need for the Space Foundation programs than obviously we have funding for with teacher professional development, space-inspired curriculum, entrepreneurship training. The people that most need these services are the people that can least afford them. So I would love to hear from individuals that wanna support our programs, or also, though, if there are individuals out there who are saying, hey, can I just get five seconds or can you answer my email and help me find a way in? And again, you know, I always say Women Tech Network, UNUSA, um, Space Generation Advisory Council. There are a lot of great organizations out there that want to help you to build your network, find a mentor and eventually make your way into the space ecosystem. Fantastic. All right, Shelly, thanks for doing this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. And again, I love your show. I look forward to seeing more episodes. And of course, as uh, most of your audience have known, I post a lot of great information on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, uh, as well as Facebook. So please, you can follow me or join me. And as soon as this episode comes out, I'll make sure to post this, but keep posting your information because together we can really change the world. And that's what I'm most excited about. So I'm honored you invited me to join you today because together, Jason, you and I can change the world. Thanks for listening with us. I really wanted to get into this idea of mentorship and how exactly it works and also the idea of joining existing organizations and kind of jumping on board and steering the ship uh, with an existing organization as opposed to doing more what I do, which is creating and starting your own. Uh, and, and like a Chris Stott, for example, he'll go out and create uh, his, his own organization and um, influence the industry with something like that. So with Shelly, uh, we've got somebody here who is advocating and teaching and inspiring and promoting uh, within 
the framework of these existing organizations. And so I hope it was interesting to come along with us and learn about how that works. So thanks for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon.